chapter 3, the book of Romans, chapter 3. I want us to read together again verses 21 through 26. Verses 21 through 26. Here's what we read. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We are continuing to study one of the most precious passages of the Bible. And it is precious for us because it answers one of the most important questions of all. How can sinners be right with a holy God? I simply want to begin by asking you to answer that question in your own mind. If a six-year-old child came to you and asked you, Dear sir, dear ma'am, how can I be right with God? How would you answer that question? Christianity answers that question with a word. And that word is justification. To be justified is to be counted right in the sight of God. If we are to be saved, if we are to go to heaven, if we are to have the blessings of God upon us and to to be His children and to live with Him forever, we must be justified. Are you justified? This is the only way of salvation. We've already seen at the end of verse 22, the end of verse 22, there is no distinction. All people are sinners without distinction. And all people who are saved are saved the same way, without distinction. There are not numerous ways of salvation. There is one way. And what is that one way of salvation? It is verse 24. It is being justified by God's grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Friend, if you have been justified, you have good reason for your soul to be at peace. If you have been justified, you do have reason to sleep well at night. If you have not been justified, your soul ought to tremble. You have no good reason to sleep well at night. 
If you grasped the future that awaits you as a sinner who must stand before a holy God, you would not be able to sleep well at night. You see, heaven and hell hinge on this question. Have you been justified? Have you been counted right in the eyes of God? Jesus Christ came lived out 33 years of righteousness before the eyes of His Father. He was perfect and pure in every way. He was obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. Now, because of God's grace, Jesus' perfect righteousness can be credited to us. His righteousness can be ours before the sight of God. It is through Jesus that we can be declared right with God. The question is, for this morning, here's our focus, how does this happen? That is, how does Jesus' righteousness get transferred to my account? How does Jesus' righteousness become my righteousness in the eyes of God? Parents, how would you explain this to your children? How would you explain to your children the way in which Jesus' righteousness can become theirs? Grandparents, how, how would you explain this to your grandchildren? How can Christ's righteousness become ours? The greatest schism that ever took place in the history of Christianity took place over this question. This is what the Reformation was about. Roman Catholicism says, said back then, officially says today, faith and works are the way in which Jesus' righteousness becomes ours. Protestants say faith and faith alone bring Christ's righteousness to us. So which is it? How does the righteousness of Jesus become ours? Some of you are already firm in this question, but it is such a hugely important question. We base so much of what we say in this church on an assumption that this is true, and so we need to take time this morning and do some work in our Bibles and show for sure that salvation is by faith alone. That we are made right with God by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Let me remind you of the Roman Catholic view of justification. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church is that justification is the righteousness of Jesus poured into the soul, infused into the soul. I stress that that is the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. There are many Roman Catholics who uh, do not know the official teaching of the Catholic Church, who do not believe the official teaching of the Catholic Church. But the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church is that justification, the righteousness of Jesus, is given through the church. It begins with baptism. When you are baptized, Jesus' righteousness is infused into your soul. It continues with other sacraments of the church, particularly the Mass, but there are others. 
And each and every time you participate in these sacraments, you receive more of Christ's righteousness into your soul. And as long as you as a Christian remain this way, you are safe. If you commit what's called a mortal sin, you lose your justification. There are certain sins that are mortal sins. There are other sins that are not. If you commit a mortal sin, you lose your justification. And the way to be re-justified is to perform penance. You must go to a priest who stands before you as a representative of Jesus Himself. The priest, in the name of Jesus, declares, I absolve you. Then the priest assigns what's called works of satisfaction, which you must do in order to have your justification returned. These works of satisfaction can be a number of different things. Um, Often it's a certain number of Hail Marys or giving alms to the poor, some other deeds. By performing these works of satisfaction, your justification is returned to your soul and you are again safe. Mark this very carefully. Roman Catholicism does teach the necessity of faith. Roman Catholicism does say when you are being baptized, you must be baptized with faith. Or if you are as an infant, as a child, your parents' faith. When you receive the other sacraments, including Mass, you must receive them in faith or they do you no good. Roman Catholics believe in faith, but they do not believe that this faith alone can save you. In fact, they see very clearly that if you have faith in Christ, but you fail to perform a work of satisfaction which a priest has assigned to you, your faith alone will not save you. You are not justified. For Roman Catholics, the equation of salvation is faith plus works equals justification equals salvation. For Protestants, it is faith plus nothing equals justification. We believe that the moment a sinner looks to Jesus in faith, he is once and forever counted right in the eyes of God. So which is true? Which is the true way of salvation? Back in Romans 3, verse 20, Romans 3, verse 20, Paul said very clearly that by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Look down at verse 28. Verse 28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. That seems seems pretty clear, doesn't it? It isn't clear to everyone. Uh, Catholics and others would argue that when Paul uses that phrase, works of the law, faith apart from works of the law, Roman Catholics and other even Protestant denominations who are not truly Protestants, they would declare that when Paul uses that phrase, works of the law, he's only referring to certain kinds of works of the law, namely the ceremonial works of the law. That Paul is saying, you, you 
must have faith and don't count on your feast days. Don't count on your circumcision. Don't count on your, um, your observances of Sabbaths. Don't count on your sacrifices. Those things will not save you. But they say, surely Paul is not counting the moral works of the law into this. Surely Paul's not saying you must have faith and it doesn't matter whether you honor your parents. It doesn't matter whether you worship other gods. It doesn't matter whether you live in these sinful ways. They say, surely God, surely Paul could not be talking that way. When he says works of the law, he must be referring only to those ceremonial works. Here is a central argument for those who believe that faith plus works equals salvation. When Paul says, no works required, he is speaking only about the ceremonial works of the Old Testament. Moral works, they say, are still required. Friends, don't be deceived. Our works have no role to play in our justification. Not just ceremonial works. None of our works have a role to play in our being counted righteous before God. Look at Romans 4, verse 2. Look at Romans 4, verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. There, Paul does not use the phrase works of the law. He simply uses the word works. Without qualification. Paul is talking about anything done in human strength. If Abraham has done anything in his own strength to contribute to his salvation, he has something to boast about before God. Look at Romans 4.4. 4. You're going to keep your Bibles in front of you, folks. We're looking at a lot of verses this morning. I want you to be sure about this. Eternity depends on this. Romans 4.4 4, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Again, Paul uses the word works without qualification. He's not referring just to ceremonial works, but to any kind of works. He's talking about Abraham. He's talking about Abraham not being justified by works. If Paul has in mind the ceremonial works of the law, there is a big problem here. Namely, the ceremonial works of the law had not been given in the days of Abraham. How silly for Paul to argue that Abraham was not saved by keeping the ceremonial works when there were no ceremonial works. Is Paul really that ignorant? I don't think so. I think that, that Paul was talking about any works whatsoever. It's strange to me that, Paul, that people argue that when Paul says the works of the law in chapter 3, he's only talking about ceremonial laws. When if you've been with us through our study of Romans so far, you have to know that all that he's been talking about when he talked about law has been the moral law. In Romans 1, in Romans 2, in the beginning of Romans 3, 
Has Paul been saying that all humanity is condemned and under the wrath of God because they failed to keep the ceremonial law? Is that what Paul has been saying? No. He's been saying that people are sinners because of the unrighteousness in their hearts, because of their wicked thoughts, because of their wicked words, because of their wicked deeds. Morality has been in view. When Paul announces the great news in verse 21, but now there is a righteousness apart from the law, it would be really strange if it was the ceremonial law he had in mind there. It would be coming out of right field. It would be coming out of nowhere. You've been talking about morality. You've been talking about obeying our parents and and obeying the laws of God and, and not murdering and not lying and not being covetous and... The moral law has been in view the whole time. He's saying that in spite of all of our unrighteousness morally, there is a righteousness that can be ours apart from moral works. In other words, church, Paul is arguing that we do not earn our justification. You do not have to be good enough to make the cut. I sure hope there is no one left in this room that still thinks that you must get yourself good enough to be received by Jesus Christ. I don't know what to say anymore if there is still anyone after weeks, after weeks, after weeks of preaching who still thinks I must get myself clean enough to be saved. Dear friends, cast such thoughts away from you. Christ receives people as they are. He justifies them the very moment they believe on Him. We're to come to Him as we are, full of dirt and filth and unrighteousness. No works of the law required. No works of any kind required. Only faith. And even faith is not so much a work as it is an attitude of the heart. It's just an open hand. Give me what I need. I trust in you. The Roman Catholic Church would point us to James 2 and argue that their view is clearly taught in James 2. And so to be fair and to make sure you're aware of this, let's look at James 2. Let's see the passage on which many would would argue that we are saved by faith plus works. I don't want a a friend of yours to show this to you and you'd be surprised and say, well, my preacher never told me this was there. I want you to see it. Beginning in verse 18, James 2, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with His works. And faith was completed by His works. 
And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Yikes! What do we do here? Paul in Romans 4 points to Abraham and says, See, here's an example of one who was saved by faith apart from works. James points to Abraham and says, See, here's an example of one who is justified by his faith and his works. They both point to the same man. Was Paul a Protestant and James a Catholic? Is this an example of contradiction in our Bibles? Is God playing games with us, trying to keep the way of salvation confused? Not in the least. The key to understanding James chapter 2 is simply to remember the context. How many troubles we will avoid if we remember the context of a passage. Context is key. In Romans, Paul is seeking to answer a question. His question is this. Is there a righteousness by which unrighteous people can be saved? In Romans... Paul uses the word justification to mean being declared righteous in God's sight. We proved that two weeks ago. That that was his meaning of the word justification. Being counted right before God. In James, there is a totally different question in view. The question in James is this, how can a person know that his salvation is real? James uses the word justified the way we often use it. Is there a grounds for this? When people ask, was the war in Iraq justified? How are they using the word justified? Often they mean, was there grounds for the war? Were there good and reasonable grounds for going to the war, for going to war in Iraq? Was it justified? Similarly, James is saying to these people who are confident in their salvation, is your confidence justified? The whole point of James chapter 2 is to say that if you have faith apart from works, your confidence is unjustified. Your profession of salvation, if you have faith but not works, is unjustified. Because real God-given faith always is accompanied by good works. The kind of faith that saves is a works-producing faith. In chapter 2, verse 14, James says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Answer, no. A faith that does not show itself in works cannot save. But notice what James is after in verse 14. He's after what kind of faith it is that can save. What kind of faith gives a person real grounds 
to be confident in their salvation. In other words, okay, so we're saved by faith. What kind of faith? There is such a thing as counterfeit faith. That's what James is after. And James' answer is that it is a salvation. It is a faith that is evidenced by works. When James says in verse 24, and that is the crucial verse, when James says in verse 24 that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone, he is not talking about how we are declared right in the eyes of God. He's talking about the grounds on which a person is shown to be a true Christian. A person is shown to be a true Christian. Their Christianity is justified, not just by them claiming to believe in Jesus, but by the works that prove that their faith is real. Dear friends, you can say you believe in Jesus till you are blue in the face, but if your life is not characterized by love and by good deeds, your profession of faith means little. Indeed, it means nothing. A person is shown to be a true Christian, is justified as a Christian by faith and works. So you see, we have Paul and we have James. We have two radically different questions. Paul, how do we become a Christian? James, how do I know that I am a Christian? Paul, how how is a person saved? James, how do I know that I'm saved? Paul is dealing with salvation. James is dealing with assurance. There is no contradiction. In fact, verse 14 shows that James himself understands that it is by faith that someone is saved. He simply wants us to understand the kind of faith that saves. There's no contradiction between Paul and James. Once you read the passages in context, there is real and perfect harmony. The Bible's teaching about salvation is one and the same in every place. It's the same as was taught by Abraham and is quoted even by James. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Salvation by faith alone. Maybe you're still not convinced. I hope that you are. Let me show you just a few more passages, a few more more verses to show you Justification by faith alone is the teaching of the Bible. Go back to Romans 3 and 4. Let's just hang around Romans. Romans 3 and 4. Let's see it clearly laid out in a few key verses. (coughs) Excuse me. Look at verse 23 of Romans 3. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified... By His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Note, we are justified by God's grace as a gift. Here's a question. If justification comes by faith and works, is it still a gift? And is it still grace? Or does it not become merit? Does it not become what you're due? Does it not become wages rather than gift? Look at verse 25. Paul says in verse 25 that this justification is a gift to be received by faith. To be received by faith. No works mentioned here. How does Paul say we receive the gift of justification? By faith. In verse 24, 
Paul says that justification comes to us through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, justification comes to us through all that Christ has done in order to redeem us from the curse of God's wrath. Dear friends, was the work of Jesus so imperfect that it needs our works added on in order to save? Is the redemption that is in Christ Jesus not enough? Is it incomplete? Is it insufficient? Surely not. Every time someone argues that we are saved by faith plus works, we are saying that Christ's work for us is not enough. That Christ failed to do the job. What did Jesus mean on the cross when He said, it is finished? He lived 33 years representing all who would ever believe on His name fulfilling righteousness for them even to the point of the nails and the crown of thorns. And here he is on the cross having obeyed to this point of death for his people and he says, it is finished. What does he mean? Does he mean my part is finished? I sure hope they do their part and add the works that are needed. I don't think so. I think he meant it is finished. I think he meant that all the obedience required by God had been completed. For us. Look at Romans 4, 3 and 4. Let's just see this again. Romans 4, 3 and 4. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. What is Paul saying here? He's looking back to Abraham He reminds us that Abraham believed God's promise. He reminds us that this faith of Abraham was counted as righteousness. And that he makes this statement that to the one who works, his wages are not a gift. They are his due. In other words, if justification is by works in any way, justification must not be seen as a gift of grace, but as wages due to someone. The moment you turn justification into something obtained by works, you lose the concept of grace. And we don't want to lose the concept of grace, do we, church? Look at verse 5 of chapter 4. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Is that not very clear? This person does not work for his salvation, but trusts on the one who justifies the ungodly. Are you still working for your salvation or have you given up working for your salvation and turned to Christ and His perfect work instead? Paul says that the one who does not work but trusts Him, that is Jesus, his faith, the believer's faith is counted as righteousness. Works is looking to self trying to do what you can to be right with God. Faith is looking away from yourself. If salvation is by faith and works, then salvation is by Christ and you. But dear friends, Christ will not share the glory. And Christ will not share the credit. 
He does 100% of the work. He will get 100% of the glory. You get the amazing benefits of His grace. Look at verse 16. Last verse I'll point, point you to. Verse 16. Paul says, chapter 4, verse 16, that is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace. If it is not by faith but by works, then it is not by grace but by human strength. For Paul, salvation must be by faith if it is to be by grace. If salvation is to be by grace alone, sola gratis, then it must be by faith alone, sola fide. Church, I hope you see very clearly why we believe what we believe. I hope you see very clearly that justification is a gracious act of God by which He declares a sinner righteous in His sight through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, through the righteousness of Jesus, imputing Jesus' righteousness to our account, and that this happens by faith alone. Heidelberg Catechism asked this question, How art thou righteous before God? How art thou righteous before God? Answer, only by a true faith in Jesus Christ, so that though my conscience accuse me, that I have grossly transgressed all the commandments of God and kept none of them and am still inclined to evil, notwithstanding God, without any merit of mine, but only of mere grace, grants and imputes to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. Even so, as if I never had had nor committed any sin, yea, as if I, had fully accomplished all that obedience which Christ has accomplished for me, inasmuch as I embrace such benefit with a believing heart. Let me close by simply reminding you why this is so important. Look over at Romans 5, verse 1. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by what? Faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I've been thinking a lot about death lately, partly because of the series that we're in on Sunday nights, partly because I did turn 30 not so long ago and the reality of aging kind of hit on me a little bit. Laying in bed at night, I felt my own heart beating and thought about what a strange thing it is that this little muscle in my chest is keeping me alive and how easy it would be for it to stop. Things go wrong all the time with machines, don't they? Things break a lot. How easy it would be for that little muscle in my chest to just stop and, and that's it. No more family to care for, no more pastoral responsibilities. If that were to happen, the only thing that would then matter is whether or not I am right with God. Will I suffer the torments that my sins deserve? Or will I have a Savior whose righteousness is enough to satisfy God for me 
and usher me into heaven. I read recently of a Scottish preacher who was dying. He'd been very influential. He had led many to know Jesus Christ. And as he was dying, he said that the greatest temptation that had come upon him was the temptation to now think, because of all the people that have been saved under my ministry, because of all the things that I have seen happen in my life, surely God will lead me into heaven. He was beginning to think in his own heart that temptation Surely my merits are enough. And he said, I have to tell myself, cast away all of that. The only works you need are the works that Jesus Christ has done for your soul. That is enough. Lean on that alone. John Murray, justification by faith is the jubilee trumpet of the gospel because it proclaims the gospel to poor and to the destitute, to those whose only door of hope is to roll themselves in total helplessness onto the grace and power and righteousness of the Redeemer of the lost. Why is justification by faith so precious? It means it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or how vile you are or how wicked your heart is, If you roll over to the grace of Christ and all that He has for you, He is enough to save. Nothing in my hands I bring, only to your cross I cling. Naked, come to Thee for dress. Helpless, look to Thee for grace. Foul, I to Thy fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Jesus alone can make us clean before the eyes of God, and He will do so to every sinner, every sinner who comes to Him in faith, in faith alone. I pray that You will. Let's pray. I simply ask that you take these few moments now and talk to the Father in prayer. Examine your own heart for faith. Are you depending on Christ and Christ alone for your salvation? Are you resting in Him alone?